Welcome to the Career Conversations with Vicki podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Mueller Espinosa. I'm a career strategist and meet fascinating and accomplished people who have amazing career stories. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to friends, coworkers, and acquaintances so you can hear their career tips, tricks, and strategies. I'm excited to introduce you to them and their stories. I hope you'll be inspired and excited to apply what you learn to your own career. Welcome to the podcast. Lori is an amazing program manager in people operations responsible for the growth and development programs. When not working, you can find her spending time with her family and her new puppies. Lori is very passionate about movies, independent films, and shoe shopping. Although she tells me she's not too happy with the pair she's wearing today. And why is that, Lori? Oh, they're just not, uh, they're, they're not pretty. They're very basic and black today. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. So today we're going to talk about non-standard career paths. Your career journey has not followed any standard or predictable path. I'd really like to start at the beginning and give my listeners who don't know what they want to be when they grow up some tips and tricks for navigating their careers. So let's start with you telling me about your first job and why you chose that job. Um, Well, you're right. Uh, My career path has been um, uh, very unpredictable and most of it unplanned. Um, And my first job uh, was absolutely follow, you know, uh, fell into that um, because I didn't choose my first job. Um, I needed to work. I was in high school, um, needed to start making some money. And so I joined a a co-op program at school through our business, uh, through our business machines uh, course. And it enabled me to go into the workforce in the afternoon. So instead of taking uh, high school courses, I went to work. And my first job was as a word processor. That was actually a job. Um, and I worked for uh, a an accountant and did his books and all of his word processing. I did that for three hours a day after school. That is really interesting because you and I share something in common because one of my very first jobs was also as a word processor. And I actually made a newsletter by cutting out articles and pasting them or sticking them on a piece of paper and then running them through the photocopier. So I remember those jobs. Photocopying was a big part of jobs back then. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being covered in um, toner. As we yeah. were trying to unclog them or un- unstick them, the paper would get stuck and you'd be filthy by the time you were done. Yeah. I will tell you, I have to tell you a funny story. When I first started doing copies, I had absolutely no experience and I didn't realize that you could set the number to like make 20 copies. So I would put the thing on the glass and close the lid and hit the copy button and then hit the copy button again <laughs> and then hit the copy button again. <laughs> So the fact that you could write 20 did not, uh, no one taught you that part. (laughs) Nope. I didn't get that training. I figured it out shortly thereafter. That's hilarious. Yeah. I think there's a picture of me actually um, on old film with the rounded corners, if you know what I mean, uh, with, with toner on my forehead, filthy after climbing into an IBM um, machine, right? Trying to get it to clean out. Too funny. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you, though, things got better, though. My my next job after that, um, I landed a job in catering sales in a hotel. 
Um, and that really gave me a, a whole different experience and made me think at that time that my career would be in, in hotel catering sales. So, um, so, so that was job number two that kind of opened up the world for me in a, in a whole new way. And mine was in uh, procurement in uh, also in a hotel, uh, actually doing all of the purchasing of the little soaps and the shampoos. Yes. Yeah, yes. for Koala Inns of America, which no longer exists, but it did. And they had little koala bears as their logo. So very interesting how you and I align in our careers <laughs> as we started. So talk to me about the job you do today. Did you ever imagine you'd be doing this job when you started out? Um, no, absolutely not. Um, I mean, as you heard, when I was a teenager, um, it was – so you have to understand a little bit about, about my background. Um, we moved often. So um, planning was never something that was even thought about. Nothing was planned for me. I mean, what was going to happen tomorrow um, was always a surprise. We could be picking up and moving um, in a day or a week. And so, and it was my dad was not in the military. We just happened to move for different circumstances uh, throughout the years. Sometimes it was because we rented a lot. So sometimes you're going to a new house, a new apartment, um, you know, changing schools. So I was always on the move um, without a plan. So, um, you know, we didn't plan anything. Um, I thought I wanted to be a makeup artist when I was in high school. And then, as I told you, I became a word processor, which opened my eyes to business. Um, and then I went into the hotel, uh, into the hotel catering sales job, which made me think, oh, my life is going to be in hotels. Um, but then, um, unfortunately, I was fired uh, from my job. That's a whole longer story. Um, I was fired, I will tell you, from taking um, a sick day when I was not sick. Ah. Um, and I actually got fired for that. So then I was just sort of this kind of lost soul, um, not really knowing what the future was, would bring. I actually thought that because I had been fired that, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever sensed uh, failure and then thought it's all over now. I have failed. Who's going to hire me because I have, you know, I've been fired. I'm not going to get a reference from that job. What could possibly be next for me? Um, and you're probably wondering about school. And at the time, uh, because I moved so much, um, I did not graduate high school with the best uh, grade point average. And so at the time, I also thought college was not an option for me. I, I really believed that I, I wasn't good at high school, so I wouldn't be good in college. Now I'm in this situation where I have been fired from a job. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And my dad, I was sitting around my dad's pool, and he said, uh, Lori, you've got to stop sitting around the pool all day. You've got to go find a job. And he said, why don't you go sign up to be a Kelly girl? And they actually called us Kelly girls back then. Um, and we were basically, um, you know, temporary admin assistants, temporary secretaries at the time. Um, so I did. This was in 1987. And I went to the Kelly girl services. I signed up for a job. Um, uh, for a temporary job. I then did many different kind of temp jobs in some really horrible places, people's garages that would hire a Kelly girl for a week, and I'd go work out of somebody's garage, which is creepy. I worked for a, uh, some automotive sales uh, companies, very small, like those small on-the-corner car lots. And then I happened upon Intel, um, and I covered for someone's maternity leave, and um, – it just, that was kind of the best thing that had ever happened to me. 
Um, I started this job at Intel as um, an admin assistant. I worked in the military and special products division um, in Chandler in the old Fab, uh, Fab 6. And that was just, you know, Intel just was a whole new world. It was a world of uh, very set values, um, high expectations. And for the first time ever, um, I was working for a place where I could really take pride in my work. Um, and so this really uh, was, you know, brought me a visibility um, as a young person that I had just never had before. Um, I was all of 19 years old at the time. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, I landed in this company that I started to get a true sense of who I was, um, what my strengths were, and what I could accomplish. So Intel really kind of put me on that road of discovery. And for that, I'm, I'm forever grateful. And I never saw it coming. <laughs> and that is an awesome story. I love it. I love listening to your career story. So think back over your career, were there things that you did or things that you heard that helped you along the way? Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, so many things. Um, and we only have so much time for a podcast. Um, but the first thing, so, you know, I've already shared with you, I started Intel as an admin. Um, I wasn't going to school yet. Um, so the first thing I did that I think um, was smart on my part is there's this uh, sort of this proximity factor where you put yourself around people and places that you want to, you know, you want to stick to people who you want to be like, who you want to emulate, or who you want to learn from. Um, and those people, you know, are typically in careers or areas that you have a high interest in. So the people around Intel who I admired, they and the jobs that they were doing that I had interest in tended to be in human resources. Um, they were in the roles that were about people. Um, and where we were actually getting things done, what drove me to project management type work is I liked having a, a task to complete, a project to complete. I wanted to see the results at the end. I like to see results. So I'm very, you know, I learned that I was super action oriented. I'm very results oriented. Um, and those things real, really helped me shape what I was interested in, really helped me when I said before, you know, gave me a sense of who I was and what my strengths were. That's what helped me learn along the way was just that proximity factor. Um, and then, you know, the second thing as far as books or experiences, there's a there's a book um, out there in a TED Talk called uh, All About Grit. And grit is really about, um, you know, working hard, uh, working hard for what you what you want. And it's not necessarily about how smart you are or what your IQ is, or that you have a PhD, all which are, you know, there's so many smart, talented, educated people at Intel that during that, you know, especially in the beginning stages of my career, man, that grit got me so far. And to this day, I'm not highly educated. Um, you know, I, I went and, and took classes to, for my AA degree. I Went to University of Phoenix, which is not a highly accredited uh, college, especially um, when you're surrounded by so many smart people that come from amazing Ivy League colleges. 
But that grit and determination and really learning on the job and results, getting things done, I think has been, you know, what has helped me along the way. And when I read that book, um, I think it, it really helped me kind of give me the aha moment of that's what, you know, that's one of my great um, strengths and resources that I tap into to help me be successful. Wonderful. Now, going backwards, if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would you say? I think maybe the first thing I would say is don't try so hard to win everyone over. Um, There are going to be people who don't like you. Um, And there are going to be people who uh, don't value you or see your full potential um, because the things that are important to you aren't going to be important to everyone else. Um, and, And I think that goes back to that proximity factor. You've really got to surround yourself with people who are aligned in your values um, and see, uh, uh, see the results of your work. Um, and if they don't find value in that, then you're in the wrong place, right? Um, so if you're working really hard and you're seeing results that you are really proud of, but the people around you don't value that work, then you're in the wrong place. And, and I think that kind of leads to my second, um, second piece of advice I would give myself is know when it's time to walk away. Don't hang around too long. Um, and, you know, from a career perspective, it, it really is, you know, it really is time to move on when you are really proud of the work you're doing, but, but the business doesn't value it. And I think no matter what role you're in, if you're in a, in a role as a, as an engineer or as a program manager, I think many people have felt that. Like you're really working hard on a product that Intel doesn't value, but you think is amazing and you think is super innovative. And then you're like, why am I expending all of this energy and feeling all of this anxiety when nobody's really appreciating it? Um, I've got to go figure out where this kind of work is really valued. So knowing, seeing those signs, you know, or, or I should say, as soon as you see those signs, making that exit strategy or that plan for what's next is the flag that you should be looking for. And I wish I would have known that um, a lot sooner in some circumstances. Really good advice. Now, if you could change one thing about your career choices, since you've had this twisty, windy career, what would you change? Oh, man. Um, and, and, you know, we just sort of kind of hit the tip of the iceberg on all those twisty, windy roads. Um, I would actually say nothing, though. Um, I don't think I would want to change anything. Um, And I I think that personally and professionally. Because, I mean, I've made some doozy mistakes. I've made some really bad choices. I've had some failures. But I've had some super um, great successes. Um, And I, I... I don't think I would have the successes I had if I hadn't have had the failures, um, if I hadn't have learned along the way, like learned along the way what those signals were to, you know, to move on, um, learned along the way what the business values. Um, sometimes you have to do you have to do things the business does not value to have your aha moment of, oh, man, you know. Um, so I don't know that I would change anything in the past. I think all the bad things that happened – really helped me 
you know, if, if you've ever done a journey line, and Vicki, you or, or or anybody else, if you've ever done this journey line through the leadership challenge um, or maybe some other kind of uh, leadership training, if you ever look at some of the lows in your life, they are typically followed. Like you'll you'll hit up you'll there's there's a line that goes across say a middle sheet of the paper, and anything below the line is sort of that that not so good moment or maybe a failure or a tough time in your life, or and then you have a high point. And usually those high points come right after a, a low point. Mm-hmm. And to me, those were always the learning points. So you don't want to you don't want to go back and remove those low points, or you may not have that high point that you bounce back from right right after it. So right. I, I, my, my answer is nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right, nothing, and that's totally fair. Okay, so we looked backwards. What happens if we look forward? How do you think about or plan for what's next, or do you? Um. Well, I mean, I think I'm always looking for I'm, so because it's both. I'm I'm not necessarily. I mean, I'm really happy in my job, but we're I'm always looking for what might be next or what might be an opportunity. Because what I have found are the best opportunities come when you're not looking, if that makes any sense. And so you always want to be prepared. And so I. I kind of typically say my door is always open and I always want to hear about what's coming up in the future or, um, you know, where my skill sets, my strengths and my passion around people might be, you know, might be a benefit somewhere new. Um, but it's always about impact for me. So if, you know, any time that you're looking for a new career, it's always about, or, or a career move, it's always about finding a problem that centers around the, you know, the things that you're passionate about, and then figuring out how you can solve that problem that has impact for the business. So I'm always looking for those types of things. And then when I find that right, then I find that sweet spot of, hey, here's a problem I found. And Here's somebody who sees the same problem that I see and sees benefit in tackling that problem. Then you've got your new opportunity. And sometimes that new opportunity is in your current role, and sometimes it's in a different role. And I think that's the signal for what's next. So I don't have anything lined up to say this is what I'm going to go do. And, and you know, if you think about my history, um, I never know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with waiting for something to happen versus, you know, putting a very distinct plan down on paper that says I will be out of this role in three years and into, you know, another very specific role. I'm very much a, let's see what the, let's see what the universe brings to me. I love it. All right. So let me, let me switch it up just for uh, a bit. When or how will you know if it's time to move? So if an opportunity doesn't present itself, is there anything that people should look out for that tells them it's time to go? Um, yeah, I think there are a couple of things. Um, and again, this, these are some of my lessons learned. I say one, so this is going to sound really negative, but um, but I think it has to be said, if you're in a toxic environment, an environment where you feel anxiety, on a regular basis, or, you know, you go home unhappy uh, on a regular basis, you take it home with you, that's time to look for something new. Um, You know, life is too short to be unhappy. 
And I will tell you, it, it took me time to realize that um, I, I was in a role where I was dealing with a high level of anxiety, and I honestly didn't realize how high that anxiety level was and how truly sick I was until I left the role and then felt healthy. So um, that's why I say that's a lesson learned. So, you know, when you are in that bad environment and then you get out of it and you realize, oh, my gosh, this is what this is what coming into work excited every day feels like. Um, you have to learn from that so that you can go back and, and, and remember those signals so you can leave that, that uh, toxic situation earlier. And the second thing I would say is if you're bored. Um, if work is just too easy and it's not challenging, um, it's time to go because other people will realize you are bored and you're not challenged, and that's not a situation that any of us really want to be in. Um, because you don't want people to, uh, to, to see that you are not, you know, uh, contributing 100% and, you know, coming in energized and putting everything into your work. If you're just phoning it in day to day, I think that's really risky. Um, and I think it's a red flag to, to look for something new. Wow. I learned so much today from you, Lori. Um, I learned about aligning myself to mentors or other people that I um, admire and want to get closer to their work. So looking for those people in my work life, I learned that grit can get you through not having a plan and can help you be successful. I also learned that um, it's okay to leave when things aren't right as long as you're aligning yourself with your passions and your strengths and looking to solve that next business problem. So thank you so much for spending a little bit of your day with me and sharing your words of wisdom with my listeners. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.